Before we get started here, I wanted to just let you know we did record this podcast remotely, so I apologize for any audio issues that you may encounter, but they're pretty minor. There's a couple times where we have a little bit of a lag, but I think overall you're going to really find this discussion interesting and insightful into what's going on in the state legislature. Welcome to Digging In with Missouri Farm Bureau. I'm Eric Pohl, Director of Public Affairs. Today we have a special guest, State Representative Hannah Kelly, who serves in the State House of Representatives from Norwood, Missouri, down in South Central Missouri. Hannah, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Eric. It's always good to catch up. Well, I appreciate you taking the time because I know you're back at the Capitol for a short period here. Um, trying to get some work done after this COVID-19 shutdown that we've had. Um, And the the big period of time that the House had to be out of session to make sure that everybody was safe, but you're back in the swing of things in the Capitol now. How are things going up there this week? Things are going really well. You know, from the big to the little details, there's lots of changes. Um, As we all know, you know, face masks are kind of the new wardrobe accessory around here. And um, I don't, I've been told that I'm very hard to distinguish behind my face mask. So I took it off. You know, that's the um, hard thing to me. I, I went to the grocery the store the other day and I couldn't even, I thought I saw a friend, but I couldn't even recognize them or, for sure because they had a face hard. mask on. It's, it's really, really hard. different. Yesterday we were all on the floor to vote and I was trying to get the attention of a colleague across the way and I was trying to, you know, like, do it without being loud. And I realized he has no idea. I'm trying to get his attention. (laughs) The new normals that we're having to adjust to, but that's okay. Everybody's healthy and well, to my knowledge, and um, lots of good um, encouragement to follow the sanitation practices and everything that we've all been hearing about lately. And lots of work going on to balance the budget. Uh, We've had to make some tough decisions, Uh, not easy decisions, but the right decisions to follow our constitutional obligations as state legislators. And we've sent that budget over to the Senate. It's my understanding that they will first read it tomorrow or no they put it through committees i'm sorry i'm not mm-hmm. had enough coffee today it starts <laughs> the process in the senate basically um either tomorrow or saturday to ensure that we get it done on time for our constitutional deadline so next week's going to be a big week you know because yeah. we'll have lots of conference committees and we'll have lots and lots of discussion about you know the ultimate direction that we need to make sure the budget heads but obviously at the end of the day we all agree that it needs to be balanced yeah absolutely and it's a tough one we'll get into that in a little bit about the details of what we're looking at there, but um, it's going to be one of the more challenging budgets that's ever had to be passed in Missouri, I'm sure. Yes. Well, the main reason we reached out to you to see if you might spend a few minutes with us today is because the governor, Governor Parson, has issued um, his plan for reopening the state of Missouri. Um, Hopefully, we'll be seeing a lot of changes in the next few days as that plan begins to be implemented, but you've been involved in that process of trying to advise the governor and and talk with the governor about what the plans are. And rural Missouri is definitely different from urban and suburban Missouri. And coming from rural Missouri, we appreciate your voice being in that. Um, And wanted to get a little bit of a feel for what the governor's plan looks like. So why don't we just start off with kind of the big top line overview of what is the the plan, what's it look like, and how's it going to be affecting people? 
Absolutely. Well, on May 4th, every, everybody has the opportunity to begin the process of getting back to business and getting, getting their doors open if they were closed. And it, for my district, where it's going to be a big impact on May 4th, is going to be allowing people to come in and sit down at restaurants again. Yeah. Um, it's a huge, huge piece for my district. And I'm excited for my restaurant owners in my district to be able to get back to that part of their work, to be able to re-expand their employee line uh, again in that direction and their service line in that direction. Um, you know, life in rural Missouri during all of this, the saying, there's a saying that's became popular around my area. And that is we practiced social distancing before it was cool. Um, <laughs> Whether you want uh, to or not, that's just the way you're you right. Right. I mean, you know, when it takes 15 minutes to get to town, you don't come into town all the time, mm-hmm. but, uh, where, you know, there's things, for instance, in my local hometown there next to Norwood, Mountain Grove is where everyone in the general area goes shopping. Um, some stores made decisions that were more aggressive than what the stay-at-home order required from the state level and from our local commissioners. That was an independent decision of the store owner. Um, some store owners, you know, everyone made the decision that they thought was best for them while falling under the umbrella of the stay-at-home order. And I think that that, in a beautiful way, spoke to what the governor has done to um, endeavor through all of this unknown, uncharted water that we're walking through together to make sure that he keeps in mind with his decision-making that Missouri is a diverse state. And we aren't Kansas City, St. Louis. Uh, We have more geography at our disposal to be able to social distance. And decisions can be can be made in a different um, viewpoint and still achieve the same outcome that we are all after. And that is the safety of our citizens and fighting this, fighting this virus. Um, So, you know, life changed from the perspective of nobody could go have that Saturday morning cup of coffee, sitting down at the coffee shop Um, in churches, not being able to gather effectively. was a huge, huge uh, impact on Mm -hmm. my district. Um, But because of the governor's, um, you know, specification that, of course, the churches could still meet with 10 people or less. What we quickly saw become a new normal is online services that we've all across the state experienced in one way, shape, or form, and also a lot of drive-in services. Mm -hmm. And so it's been interesting to see how folks, you know, communities have grown and bonded even during this time apart. Um, But I know that um, that's a huge, huge piece for my community and folks are excited to get back to their places of worship in full. So those, those things are going to be allowed now to, to open back up if they, if they wish, but are there going to still be, is it going to be back to just exactly the way it was before or are there some guidelines as to what they have to do? And that's a great question um, that we've all heard in our different roles and functions and capacities, whether back home or in the community or here at the Capitol or even in Washington, D.C. I'm sure that question is asked every day. It's my humble opinion that we'll probably never, we'll never be able to say it's exactly back to the normal before all of this hit, right? Um, You're going to see adjustments. You're going to see adjustments and and it's going to take some time to build consumer confidence. Um, I was on a call the other day and somebody mentioned the fact, they said, you know, folks have some uncertainty over this virus. And even if you were to say, go to the store with, you know, right now um, without the maximum capacity that we see posted on the store doors. So basically, if you were to say, reopen the state right now, today, um, there are going to be individuals who it's going to take a little bit of time for them 
to rebuild that consumer confidence and get back to a normal operation because of many reasons. Some of that being um, they have family members and loved ones where they themselves fall into the high risk categories. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's all those kind of conversations happening where folks, myself included, are very understanding of the fact of what the governor continues to refer to. And this is not a flip the switch and everything goes back to normal. This truly is a dial a turn of a dial as we seek to make sure that our people are taken care of, that our businesses are taken care of, and that our economy is um, built back and better and stronger than before. And here at the Capitol, there's a strong focus by both, you know, both the Senate and House leadership and the executive branch of what policies do we put in place to make sure that for our business owners going back to open their doors, there's concern of, okay, I don't want someone to think that they got COVID-19 at my place of business and God forbid, try to sue me or something, right? We want to make mm-hmm. sure that there's no liability targets on the back of our business owners. And, um, and that's something I was going to ask about too, is that the liability situation, that's something we've heard a lot about on the national level too, that Mitch McConnell has been pushing hard, said it was a red line, that if the next, if there is going to be a next package of relief, it has to include some liability protection for businesses. Absolutely. Um, and so you're saying that's something that the state's looking at as well for state law? Absolutely. Absolutely. Don't have a lot of details on that yet, but I know that yeah. there's a lot of conversation going on. And I'm very thankful and supportive of that conversation because I have a lot of small business people in my district. And we need their businesses to be open, strong, and thriving. Um, you know, my commissioners went ahead in my district and let the stay-at-home orders expire that they had put in place over the last weekend with the full understanding that the governor's order still stands until May 4th. And the goal in doing that was, was to get folks ready to get back to work, to lay out the local guidelines from the healthcare department for these businesses so that we can ensure health, welfare, and safety of the people, and also ensure the safety and success of the small businesses that are the lifeblood of our district. Yeah. And you did say the, as, as you said, the counties, if they want to keep more firm restrictions on, if it's a hotspot or something, right. they don't have that ability. Have, correct? The, the, I, I really appreciate how the governor has thought through those important details, because once again, as you let out the conversation earlier, St. Louis is not Mountain Grove and Mountain Grove is not St. Louis. Yeah. And, and Norwood is not Kansas City and Kansas City is not Norwood. And so to have the local autonomy to say, hey, you know, we're going to set more stringent guidelines or less stringent guidelines, I think is very important. Yeah, based very on the important. evidence and based on the data right. of where it's leading. Right. <clears throat> exactly. Exactly. I couldn't say it better myself. So the healthcare side of this, though, well, number one, first of all, I wanted to say thank you that you've done a lot of work on helping expand the ability of nurses to be able to practice in rural areas, especially um, so that they don't have to have a doctor standing right by their side. Um, because a lot of times we have trouble finding enough people to even provide care in rural communities. Um, what are some of the steps that you've seen taken on along those lines to just expand the availability of healthcare as we're going into this? Well, you know how much I care about this subject. Um, I could go on about it all day, so I'll try not to and tell me if I go on too long. Um, so the governor rolled back the restrictions on nurse practitioners and their collaboration uh, mileage requirements. Before COVID-19 hit us, nurse practitioners and doctors, their their overseeing doctors, could not be more than 75 miles apart in geographic proximity in order for that nurse practitioner to be able to serve his or her patients. Mm 
And it's something that I've been very passionate about ever since I had the chance to come to the state legislature for my people. And that's the reason for that is, is I live in rural Missouri and I'm 32 years old. And in that entirety of my adult life, I, we are just now seeing new doctors move into our community. And that's a long time for a community to rely solely on, on practitioners who are like the rest of us and they're eventually going to want to retire. They're eventually going to want to move on to other chapters of life. Right. And so nurse practitioners are able across the country, not just in rural Missouri, but across the country to step up and fill voice where physicians are not able to fill, or perhaps it's not the best thing for that physician and her or his family to be able to go to that area. A nurse practitioner is able to step in and fill that physician void in so many ways. Um, where physicians aren't able to serve or it doesn't make the most sense for their family to locate there to serve. And so I want to make sure that my area in particular, selfishly, um, isn't held back from government regulation in regards to the mileage restriction between nurse practitioners and doctors. So that's why I've cared about this from day one. Mm -hmm. Governor Parson issued an executive order that rolled back the, um, the mileage restriction in, in full. And so that's been a wonderful thing where we've heard a lot of positive feedback. And as I shared with some folks this morning on a call, I'm anxious to see the kind of feedback as we get on the other side of this COVID-19 crisis, um, the positive feedback that comes from the healthcare community and from the patients as well, um, from seeing that those, those restrictions were rolled back. I'm excited to see what folks have to say when we look back to see and chart our track our success there. Um, but all that being said, as you know, Farm Bureau had been helping on a bill that I filed before all this began that said that if you are in anything other than a first or second class county, which means that you're basically urban rural Missouri and you're a nurse practitioner, you can collaborate with a doctor anywhere in the state of Missouri. Mm -hmm. So it was our way of starting this conversation and being able to show success upon passing of this bill um, with a full faith that eventually folks are going to understand this makes full and complete sense to go ahead and just expand to a statewide um, access to doctors by nurse practitioners without mileage collaboration, okay? Mm -hmm. Because even, you know, I use my district as an example all the time. Um, two things about my district. Number one, we're like everybody else, and we have internet broadband issues, which I know that you guys are working on, and we are as well in the house to make sure that we can overcome that. But secondly, it takes about an hour, an hour and 20 minutes just to get from one point to the other. And so I've got a lot of folks within that geography that, um, need to make sure that they've got local health care providers. And doctors don't come in, in the droves to my rural area. And, so be, and I've got nurse practitioners that want to build their lives there and want to make a living there and raise their family there. And, and I know that it's not just in the 141st district, but across rural Missouri and urban Missouri that I've got other nurse practitioners that say the same. So we want to do all we can to help them. I've got the bill file that you guys have graciously supported. And Right now, it's kind of not needed during this situation that we're in because of the governor's rollback, temporary rollback of the mileage restriction. Now, of course, thankfully, we're going to get on the other side of this state of emergency. And when we do, the discussion that's happening right now is what do we need to do with that regulation? What makes the most sense? 
Um, and of course, I am pushing for a continuation in statute, basically, of what the governor has had the foresight to go ahead and sign um, to be effective during the state of emergency, because he saw, as well as the rest of us that support this issue, um, that, hey, this is an effective way to make sure that our people get served and use the resources that we have to make sure that healthcare is a top priority. Yeah, and yeah, this is something I, I think that a lot of commentators have talked about nationally, even, that um, a lot of states and federal government are rolling back some regulations during this period, and we're maybe starting to see the world hasn't ended um, when right. some of those regulations are, are rolled back, and maybe they weren't there for, um, the they weren't protecting as much as their proponents claimed they were, so maybe right. it would be a good thing to make it a permanent thing and make it easier for a lot of different things to, to move forward, especially as we try to get the economy back up and running again. We want to have as few impediments as possible to it. So that's Absolutely. something we, we certainly appreciate um, your work on that. I wanted to ask you too about the testing. Have you heard any more about uh, COVID-19 testing and what that's looking like in Missouri and how that's going to play into this reopening phase? I think it plays a huge role. Um, every day I check the numbers, whether it be through the department's website or on conference calls with work, and the numbers continue to increase dramatically every day of folks who are tested, which as, you know, as again, we all know this conversation goes hugely back to the data and the numbers, and um, the state is doing a fantastic job in, in amping up the testing and making sure that the resources are available anytime that they see a problem where they need to go in and, and just make sure for health and safety that folks are tested, those issues are being addressed and uh, staying on top of it, on top Definitely. of the testing game. And it's very, very, I appreciate seeing that for myself personally. And I know that all Missourians do that I come in contact with anyway. Um, amping up this testing game and making sure that we're leading the charge is so important. And, um, you know, Vice President Pence remarked the other day that Missouri is leading the way that we're fulfilling our show me title uh, with the plan that Governor Parsons laying out. And I thought that was a pretty good compliment coming from him. Definitely. He's one of those that strike me as someone that gives compliments um, off the cuff, you know. That's right. So, he's a he's a measured man. Uh, yes. Well, and, and you mentioned that also that you're um, doing a lot of work on the budget right now. And I know yeah. your um, subcommittee uh, has jurisdiction over the Department of Agriculture. Um, mm -hmm. And so obviously that's a very important thing for us. Um, but given the fact that we're going to have a huge reduction in tax revenue, we know that it's just yeah. inevitable when you more or less close the economy for a month and a half, um, it's right. going to cause a hole and then it may take time to get back up to speed. So what are you looking at as far as um, making decisions moving forward for the rest of the year? Um, and how do you even know how much money you have to work with? Well, that's the, I think that's the million dollar question, as they say. Um, you know, we have made 700 million roughly in cuts in the budget that we sent over to the Senate. Mm -hmm. And as we referenced earlier, those decisions were not easy, but they were decisions that had to be made in order to effectively budget um, and, and fulfill our constitutional duty of a balanced budget. Now, there's a lot of conversation by folks on all sides of politics about what was right and what was wrong in this. But what I go back to is the fact that we have process and we know that the process works. And um, based on the consensus revenue estimate right now, 700 million was the amount that was agreed upon. And to, to take the steps forward, and I really want to commend Representative Cody Smith. He leads the budget committee, as you know. And the thing that I really 
really saw out of this process it speaks to his hard work that happens before it ever, anything ever gets on my desk as an appropriations chair. And that is that he took careful, careful steps to make sure that we, at the end of the day, could ensure that the, that the actual foundation formula was funded fully funded and and as we all know that's so important for our farming yeah. communities so important for rural missouri um and you know pretty much where the hard decisions were is we had to cut the ndis we had to say hey that new project it's not happening right now um and you know unfortunately that's what families all across missouri are facing right now and um your government is no different we're all having to batten down the hatches we're having to tighten our belt straps and uh make sure that we're making decisions that lead to a good future and a good future comes from um, balancing the budget now. And uh, we, you know, it's just like when you sit down at your family dinner table because you have to put off a project because the cash isn't there. It doesn't mean it's not going to happen in the future. It means that we're going to have to work a little harder and we're going to have to bring in some extra revenue. And then we come back to the table. Now, with all that being said, it's strong rumor on the street is, is that we have a special session pretty quickly in June um, to having to do with the budget. That all largely depends on what happens in Washington, D.C. Um, the goal and the hope is, is that we can fill, backfill some of our budget cuts with federal revenue um, based on packages that D.C. is working on right now. But mm -hmm. the facts are is we don't know what's going to ultimately come from Washington, D.C., and because we are the show-me state and because we want to be financially strong um, and show that we are fiscally responsible, we don't want to balance a budget on the back of what Washington, D.C. may do. And so the budget that we sent to the Senate is fiscally strong in the effect that we're battening down the hatches and tightening our belts with the um, – understanding that no matter what Washington DC does or doesn't do, Missouri's going to be fine. And we're going to get through this. Yeah. One of the things that I know you pushed really hard on last year that we very much appreciate is the uh, rural broadband program, the, the yes. program. And that's something you yes. mentioned that is something we need to um, continue to improve upon, of course, but in the time of tight, uh, tightening the belt, um, right. is that something that you think is still going to be able to be funded this year? I believe it will. Now, the honest truth is, is I don't have those numbers with me right now because I had to move rooms <laughs> because my cell phone has poor service, coincidentally enough. Um, <laughs> but I don't have those numbers right now. But I can reassure you that from the budget chairman on down to the lowest guy on the totem pole, which would be me, that we all hold that common concern that we continue to address rural broadband. Now, as a follow-up to that conversation, if you remember last year, I think we put out what, was it 5 million? Yeah, that's right. So the Department of Economic Development just released um, the winners of the grant program for that 5 million. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so that's starting to kick into play. You know, one of the frustrating things about government is it's, you know, I joke, and I don't mean it's bad, but we have to make a committee decide if we want to walk across the room, and then we've got to have another committee to decide what we do then. Well, let's just say that we're across the room now, and now we can actually get to work with the $5 million from last year. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited to see what comes out of that. Um, but the broadband conversation as a whole, I don't think you'll see anybody in the House or the Senate or the second floor who denies the fact that we have got a ton of work to do there. 
Rob Dixon with the Department of Economic Development has a gentleman who his job is to every single day look for ways to expand and bring better services to Missourians, uh, whether you're in St. Louis, Kansas City or Norwood, Missouri. And they're doing a great job of advancing that work. Again, like you said, belts have to tighten and projects have to be, you know, not quite as great as we maybe had planned on um, for the year. And maybe some of them have to be delayed. But overall, the focus has not stopped on these important things such as broadband and making sure that we continue one step at a time to move forward. Great. Yeah, we definitely how important it is during this time when a lot of people have to be at home trying to yes. work at home, trying to do their work, work at home. And um, so obviously that's something we need to continue to improve upon. Uh, the Absolutely. So, so before we go, one last thing, I just wanted to get your feelings on what else do you think that the legislature is going to um, tackle during the short amount of time you have left before the uh, session ends? Uh, obviously, you mentioned the budget has to has to get done because you have a constitutional deadline there. Um, are there any other items that you see probably move in or you think have a decent chance of getting across the finish line? Um, one thing that I'm really keeping a close eye on is the uh, bill, I cannot think, it's an SJR in regards to Clean Missouri. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have got to pay close attention to that for so yeah. many reasons. Uh, we've got to make sure that the people um, are not misrepresented by partisan forces. Yeah, and, and I think and, Missouri Farm uh, Bureau is um, testifying on that today <laughs> remotely. Yes, I believe you're right. Testimony. I believe you're right, and I fully support that Senate Joint Resolution. Um, I'm closely watching some of these omnibus bills to see what does get on there. I can tell you that our nursing bill got put on an omnibus bill today, which is a positive thing. And um, just overall, you know, I I support tort reform. I support small business, uh, pro-small business legislation, and also in discussion with the broadband there's a bill that's running on the senate side right now that i'm watching that i want to support on the house side that Lewis riggs is carrying um, in regards to broadband uh programs and making sure we have tools in the toolbox um moving forward just you know my grandpa served in the house 35 years ago and he told me when he served that sometimes it's not about the bills you pass it's about stopping the bad ones and helping the good ones that your friends are carrying Mm -hmm. and i tried to just apply that overall principle no matter what and i think more than ever i had a conversation with representative walsh yesterday and we were discussing the fact that more than ever as a whole legislature and house and senate i think our common goal is to make sure that our people are served and that during this time that people see the good in government um, because of our service and our actions in making sure that we don't get out of hand here as we wrap up session Um, (laughs) and we're you know the thing about it is it's easy to get partisan in this building it's easy to say what you love what you hate a lot of people know that i tend to be on the far right of things Um, and so anything conservative that you throw on my desk, anything that's small government and pro-citizen and pro-farmer and pro-agriculture um, and all of that, you know, pro-health care uh, for rural Missouri, I'm always going to love. Um, but you're going to see a lot of partisan conversation moving forward. And I'm dedicated more than ever to focusing on what we all know unites us and um, stay in the course even when decisions are not popular, but they're the right thing to do. 
Very so. good. Well, you um, a lot of times in the legislature, you feel like you're you have to stand on your desk and wave your arms and scream and shout for anyone to watch what you're yeah. working on. This is a time that I think all eyes are going to be on what the legislature is doing. So we appreciate yes. having friends like you that are working hard for rural Missouri, for agriculture. And uh, again, appreciate you taking time out of your day to speak with us about what all you're working on up there. Well, thank you for putting up with my rambling and I appreciate what you guys do. And you guys have always been a friend of me and I hope you have a good rest of the day. Sounds good to me. Well, thank you very much, Hannah. See ya. Bye-bye.